What's up, everybody? Welcome to Dean Dome Sports. It has been it has been a while. It has been since week three, so it's been about ten weeks since I've done an episode. I've been meaning to do one, but life has happened here at the uh, the Dean Compound, where we decided to get a new puppy, a black lab, and he is more than a handful. Let's just say that. Just. Un- unreal trying to break a dog in but anyway <clears throat> i'm gonna start off this uh episode this week uh something something i think i noticed in the uh, monday night game between the seahawks and the football team from washington uh and it was something that uh you know that raised uh, more than my two eyebrows i mean i even Passed it along to my my buddy uh, Pete Colisano at Bump and Run, and he kind of agreed with me here. Well, what I was seeing, and what I was seeing was, I think, a couple things really. And the main thing being that the, I guess, supposed chemistry between. Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf isn't really there. And I would even go so far as to say that there's, I think there's some, some heat, some beef between those two. And it's, and it glaringly in my observation, my two eyes spilled out onto the football field on Monday Night Football this past week in Washington. Not Seattle, Washington, by the way. Um, let me just say, first off, that the first half of the game, you're talking 30 minutes of football, where... DK Metcalf, who is, I mean, probably at the very, I mean, at the very least, a top 15 wide receiver, maybe, probably in in a lot of people's opinion, maybe a top 10 wide receiver with the upside to go into the top five of wide receivers. I mean, he's, he's a stud, huge guy. Yeah, he's, he's built like a tight end. And runs like a running, like runs like your speedy flankers, your speedy X guys that that just burn like the show. He's, he's got burner speed, and you know, with his size, you you could basically play you know as a quarterback throw throw to him like he's a tight end, and let him just you know jump in the air on fifty fifty balls, and 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 he pretty much wins those. I would probably say 75 to 80% of the time. You know, maybe even more than that. And for him to not even be targeted, what was not even targeted, was not even looked at. Russell Wilson, I don't know, I don't I don't know how many snaps. I did not look that up. But let's just say you know, average amount of snaps per game. You know, passing 
you know, passing attempts. Let's just say, you know, passing attempts. He probably had about, what, 40, maybe 50. So, in the first half alone, probably 20. Well, they didn't have the ball a lot, okay? I remember that uh, Washington dominated the time of possession. And for the most part, it was all three and outs in the first half for Seattle. Still, that being said, no play, you know, no snaps, you know, zero snaps. When he drops back to pass, he did not look at DK Metcalf once. Now, there's a lot of chatter about his, this, uh, this uh, finger injury that, he, that he's got on his throwing hand. Well, I mean, he was throwing to the tight end all the, you know, just about all the time. Yeah, tight end had nine targets, Everett. Lockett, I think, had six t- six targets and uh, three or four catches. He pretty much dominated the uh, the stat sheet for, for the wide receivers. But, I mean, when I, I, I admit I had started watching in the second half, I, I had sort of stuff going on for well, the first half of that, of that game was going on. But, but to my point, when I watched, and I watched when the second half started, so even the announcers were saying that DK Metcalf, no targets, what's going on? The, 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 it was the big story of the game at that point. And, you know, the first couple series in the second half, Still was not looking to DK Metcalf. And in your slow motion replays, DK Metcalf was not doubled. Was one-on-one, I believe, with Kendall Fuller. Is that his name? Who is he? You know, we know him now because he got the big pick at the end of the game. Well, you know, whatever. Still, I do not believe, you know, is a guy that you would consider to be a lockdown corner that can control DK Metcalf for a, an entire game. Now, the spin is that they were rolling Landon Collins' way, the sa- uh, good safety, a very good safety. But what in the second half, when I, what I was seeing was that Wilson could have gone back in five-step, three-step drops, thrown and Metcalf would have each time when he broke for his whatever route he was breaking on was open Kendall Fuller was not locking him down not not even not even at all and if it wasn't Kendall Fuller if it was William Jackson the third the other corner for Washington he was not locking him down either it wasn't like it's not like you know Washington's defensive secondary is 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 locked down in that regard compared to the talent that Seattle's wide receiving core has with Lockett and Metcalf, especially Metcalf. So that 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 spin is garbage. That spin is bunk. And even what I saw, and you know, in most of the formations, Metcalf would line up to the right of the formation run about a 10-yard square in or an out or whatever, or post. And each time had the break on, on his corner. 
And each time, you know, there were times where Russell Wilson didn't even look in the direction. Your right-handed quarterback, the right should probably most times be your first read when you when you go back five-step drop. And especially if it's DK Metcalf, who, you know, is, you know, a top-tier wide receiver. So, no, he, he was looking left and throwing left constantly to the point where his target, what I saw, wasn't even, D, what is it even Tyro Lockett? It was this guy Swain, who I'd never even heard of before, honestly. Freddie Swain. Never heard of him before, until he caught the ball for a touchdown at the end of the game. So, just mind-numbing, and I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And on a couple of occasions, DK, he would, his first read was DK Metcalf, and he looked away and threw left. And each time, DK Metcalf had broken off his corner, the, the corner, corner covering, covering him, and was wide open. What a possibly going for big yardage, maybe even touchdown at that point. Now the other issue is the thumb, or the thumb or finger, whatever's broken on his hand or whatever. I would give the credence until the last drive where Russell Wilson was throwing seeds to try to bring them back to back into, uh, back into the game. Especially the touchdown to Freddie Swain down the middle. So what you're saying is down the middle might be yeah, might be an easier throw, you know, for 30 yards or whatever. But Russell Wilson can easily, you know, throw a 10-yard square in or a 10-yard dig route with ease, even with a broken figure, I think. So I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the broken finger. Sorry, not just just not buying it. I think I think there is heat. I think there is legit heat. I think there is legit beef between the two of these guys. And I believe with them being at three and eight with six weeks left to play, they're not winning these six games. They're not going six and oh to finish at nine and eight and possibly, you know, maybe get a wild card berth in that realm. Maybe. But, you know, that would be. The, the way the NFC's rolling, looks like maybe a losing record team is getting in again with a wild card berth because they added another wild card. Stupid. But uh, no, they're not. They're not going six and zero. Oh. Sorry, Russell Wilson has one and a half feet out the door. He is on his way out. What? What? I don't even know who their offensive coordinator is. is it the, the guy should be fired after after Monday night. Honestly. If that if that's the game plan that he was rolling out against the Washington football team to say, you know what? We're not even going to target DK Metcalf. He's going to be a decoy for the whole first half. Are you what? Stupid. Just stupid. So I think there's legit beef between Wilson and Metcalf. It's the only, the only explanation. Four targets the whole game. One catch for 13 yards. And why why am I so so uh jazzed up about this. I'm not even a Seahawks fan. Well, it just so happened that, you know, in one of my fantasy leagues, I have DK Metcalf as, you know, one of my top receivers. 
And I needed him to get, all I needed him to get was eight points. Which, you know, he could probably get in his sleep most most weeks. You know, that basically amounts to four catches for 40 yards. That's all I needed from him. But four targets and one catch for 13 yards. Got me a whole 2.3 points. Way to go, Seattle. Way to go, Seattle's offensive coordinator. I don't even know your name. I'm not even going to look it up. I think you're irrelevant. Because right now, the, the, Seattle's game plan, offense, everything is a joke. A flat-out joke. They're 3-8. and eight. They're the second-worst team in the NFC right now. 3-8! and eight. This was a, a team that you would perennially, in pen, put in the playoffs every year. Even in a, a tough division, the NFC West. Uh, just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so, you know, the result of this is going to be, uh, you know, right now they're, they're, they're in the top five of they're going to be in the top five of the draft right this minute that's where they're that's where they're that's what they got going on over in seattle who saw that coming he's got one and a half feet out the door i think both feet are out the door honestly i think russell wilson is gone i think in his mind he is he's he's decided he is he's no longer going to be a seattle seahawk next year and there is going to be a giant bidding war for his services. He still has he still has fuel in his tank. He is over 30, but I mean he's he's you know, he's relatively, you know, in, in, in a position where you get banged up, you get injured. Most of the you know, most quarterbacks go through at least an one ACL. I'm not sure if he ever has. I think he did, might have in college. That might have been why he uh, he left NC State to go to Wisconsin uh, because I think he might have had an ACL there. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to re research that, but I, I I think that was the case. Uh, any of you know anything different? You can post on 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 uh, this with a little statement. You'll see it in there. Um, but I think he's gone. Uh, teams like that, I, I, you know, if Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers, I think I think they'll turn to him right away. Um, I think you'll see Philly involved. I think you'll see the Giants involved. Uh, I think you'll see any many other teams. Uh, they need a quarter. If you, you know, Texans, if you know, once they trade away Deshaun Watson. Then you'll see the Texans involved with him. I think you'll see the Broncos involved with him. Um, so I think you know, he's in, he's going to be he's going to be one of the big names in free agency. For, you know, next off season. So that you know, that's my take on on that. I I believe there is something there. With six weeks left to play, we'll see what you know what that offense does in response. I mean, Wilson has come out and said, we hope oh, we got to get DK Metcalf the ball, obviously. Uh, just just pure dumb spin going on from there. I saw what I saw. 
I and I could not believe what I was seeing. Honestly, it just it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You know, and just to just to, you know, basically ghost your top wide receiver for the first half for no reason. You know, Pete Carroll keeps saying, oh, they're, they're, you know, they were doubling and blah, blah. No, they weren't. He was not getting doubled. DK Metcalf was roaming that secondary pretty unimpeded. Let's just say that. So we're going to move on. I, that, that, that made my point. Uh, haven't really heard many others make that point. So that, that I'm throwing that out there and then making that official. We're on to week 13. Yes, week 13. I've been meaning to get on here and do like a, uh, when it got to the halfway point, you know, what, what I did right, what I did, what I, you know, where was I right, where was I wrong preseason. But we're in week 13 and there's just six weeks left. So, I mean, we're pretty much, you're pretty much, there. you know, you have your top tiers of teams that are making a bid for contention for the trophy. And then you have your teams in the middle fighting for wild cards. But so let's just run through it. In the AFC, your contenders, you know, your, your division win- leaders right now are your top seed is the Ravens. Kind of a surprise, I think. Um... Then it's the Patriots in the AFC East. That, that, I, what I, I don't, you know, whatever Josh McDaniels is doing with Mac Jones, you know, good on him, you know, bravo. To be able, I mean, Mac Jones, quite frankly, was not the top quarterback to come out of the draft. He wasn't. And the Patriots did trade up for to get him. And I, I mean, what the, they saw something, and I guess it's it's just the fact that you know I guess he just does not make many mistakes, you know, and that goes a long way at, at, in that position, you know. I mean, you could say what you want when he was at Alabama, you know. The the a lot of the 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 chatter with him was that you know a lot of his you know receivers were you know roaming around wide open, which you know. That is that is what you're going to get with players coming from offensive players coming from Alabama is, you know, the 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 teams and the the defenses in that conference aren't necessarily going to lock down those those five star recruits. You know, they're getting the best of the best out of high school, and it shows on the field every week, and. There's a reason, you know, the Devontae Smiths, the Jerry Judys, uh, you go back to even Julio Jones. Or, you know, Julio Jones might have been at Georgia, though, uh, quite frankly. I, I can't remember if he, he might have been at Georgia. But, I mean, there is a, there is a pretty good list of the uh, graduating, well, not necessarily graduating, you know, three years and out, juniors. But uh, the the... the the talent that has left Alabama in the receiving core and going on to the NFL is extensive. And, you know, 
the quarterbacks, though, the, you know, ten, you know, the, your Alabama quarterbacks tend to not get as much and do as much in the NFL just because of the fact that these guys are they're throwing to wide open players all the time, not forced to throw into tight coverages to make their pass, make their you know, make their connections like you have to in the NFL. You know, and then, you know, but Mac Jones, you know, maybe he was an outlier, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the fact that when he did throw the ball to his open receivers, he tended to hit them in stride instead of them having to reach back, slow up, catch the ball. You know, there could be something said about, you know, his accuracy in that regard. So, so you have your Ravens, Patriots at eight and four, Titans at eight and four. They were on a big winning streak. Um, they've kind of come back to earth a little bit, but they play in a division that's just garbage. You know, you have the you have the you have the Titans and the Colts, and then you have the Texans and the Jaguars. Eh, you know, you know for four weeks of the uh, for four weeks of the season, you're pretty much getting cupcakes. Even though they did lose to the Texans, I'm, I'm unreal with that. Their four losses are kind of in, inexplicable in a ways where it just, you know, they would dominate one week and then the next week they they throw up a just throw up a clunker. And then you know that's kind of there's a bit of running theme of that this season that I wanted to talk about is your. I've been noticing that the you know especially in interdivision games, you know the games in your division, you win you win a big game in your division and then the next week you throw up a clunker. There's a there's a there's a big letdown trend after your division wins that I've noticed. It really 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 showed up last week with the Eagles Giants. Uh, I gotta say, I mean, I was staring. I honestly, as a betting guy, I was staring at the line and the under, and the and just taking the Giants to win outright. I was staring at. I mean, I was I was ready to to hit yes, bet all that. I had I had the extra money, and I was like, man, I could big old payday. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger on it for some reason. I just, uh, just, uh, I want to grab on my throat because of it. Because I knew, I, I knew, I knew it was going to happen. You know, they, they looked so great the week before with in, in their win at home. You know, finally getting a win at home and then whatever. And then they could go to the, the Meadowlands and, and just lay an egg. And it's, you know, and there has been a running theme, kind of, of that, you know, in a week-to-week basis, you know, with the exception of the teams that have run off, you know, four or five wins in a row, like the Titans did. But even the Titans are, are you know, week-to-week, they, they they win a big game and then they, uh, you know, lay an egg, way and win a big game, lay an egg. and But it's going on all over the place. So, and then uh, your AFC West team is the Chiefs. So, you know, right now, 
Those are your top four. And then the wild cards in the AFC. The Bills at 7-4. and four, Bengals at 7-4. and four, And the rest of the AFC West at 6-5. and five. That is not a joke. It's kind of, yeah, I'm saying that kind of in a joking way. But that's your wild card hunt. Is Bills, Bengals, and every other team in the AFC West besides the Chiefs. Literally at 6-5. and five. That, that's un, That is, an, I, I never, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Where you have the Chiefs clearly at the top, and then all the other three teams are one game back. That's that's pretty amazing. So where where was I right in my predictions before the season? Um, so I'm you know the Ravens, Titans, and Chiefs. I was all over. Saw them. I you know I had them winning their divisions. And with pretty pretty good records at that as well. And I was also on the Broncos before the season as a wild card contender. Um and I mean technically they're sitting in last, but they're six and five, a game out of the division, and in the wild card hunt. So I believe I could say I was Right now, I, I I was all over them. Now, where was I wrong? Did not see the Patriots again. I did not see the Patriots with a rookie quarterback, Bill Belichick with a rookie quarterback. I mean, I knew they had a good defense still, but I don't think anybody saw the Patriots winning their division one. Maybe, maybe contending for a wild card, but I didn't see that either. I had them with a losing record just, you know, I th- I th- I thought they would you know it would they would need you know a couple years of you know of grooming Matt Jones for that job and honestly you know honestly I didn't even think you know, hell I I probably thought he would that Cam Newton was still going to be the quarterback there you know <laughs> that no he, he, before when the season started Cam Newton was there still. <laughs> I mean, I th- I think I you know Cam Cam was released in the preseason, and they gave basically Mac jo- Mac Jones the job, and that's when I went on the podcast on here and did my predictions, that, and I was like, uh, you're going with a rookie right away? Uh, I don't know. Um, right now I'd say I was wrong on the Bills. I think they still have a shot to turn it around with six weeks left, and still win the division, which I think they still might, but. They're kind of running out of time here with six weeks left. And, I mean, some of the, they, they lost to the Jets. And, oh, with all apologies to my buddy Pete, how do you, how do you lose to the Jets? You, how? And, I'm, yeah, I, and I'm, honestly, and it wasn't even Zach Wilson. It was, it, it was who, was it Mike White? Mike White was the guy that won the game for him. I mean, ah, again, it goes it goes along with win a big game the week before. Next week, especially if you play a team with a losing record, you are going to lay an egg. Now, so the, the, you know some of your better teams are managed to overcome that in a way, but hell, it even happened with the the defending champs 
in the beginning of the season. They beat the Cowboys in a nationally televised game. A week later, they lost to the Saints. And Jameis Winston. You know, that... Just the stuff that, that, that happens week to week. You can't predict. You just can't. And I was wrong on the Bengals. Bengals have to be the biggest surprise of the AFC, in my opinion. Um, you know, especially on defense. Who knew, who knew, you know, especially after last season, who knew that they could, they could D up? Were their moves, were their free agent moves really, you know, really that great? Uh, what happened? Did, you know, did they draft well, maybe? I don't, you know, I mean, they, they, they made Pittsburgh look pedestrian. They made Ben Roethlisberger look pedestrian last week. And I'm going to tell you, when you know, with a blowout win against Pittsburgh this week, watch for the clunker. Watch for the laying of the egg. Just saying. And the Raiders are a close second as a surprise. I I, I wasn't on the Raiders before the season. Um, when the season started, they went on a roll. That was that was a that was a surprise to me. Then when they lost John Gruden, I was just like, okay, well, you know, th- that'll be the end of that. No, they've, they've kept going. And they go into Dallas on Thanksgiving and just annihilate the Cowboys. You know, and then they had their bye. So, I mean, they're coming off a bye, maybe they're, they're, they throw up a clunker this week or whatever. I don't know, though. It seems to me that, that, uh, that you know, one, the offense seems to be you know, Derek Carr seems, seems to be looking really good. And their D's playing great. So um they're they're gonna they're gonna make my uh preseason pick of the Broncos. They're gonna they're gonna give that that a run for its money. <laughs> Alright, we're gonna turn to the NFC. And with six weeks left, you know, 13 weeks in, six weeks left. You have your Cardinals at 9-2. Packers, 9-3. Tampa Bay, 8-3. And, and Cowboys, 7-4. Those are your division leaders. The Cardinals are a shock. Had them maybe as a wild card contender preseason, but I did not see them being... Uh, at, at, at least on offense, a dominant offense, which is what they are. And I, you know, if Kyler Murray comes, if and when, you know, when and when and if, uh, you know, Kyler Murray's coming back at some point. And when it does, I expect them to be back on all cylinders. You know, they got a when AJ Green is your fourth best wide receiver. That's saying a lot. And he's even, you know, he's getting a lot of targets week to week. And. The acquisition of Zach Ertz, um, I did not do the uh, podcast on it when, when it happened. I wanted to, and it, when I saw that they got Zach Ertz, I said Super Bowl contender right there, and I still believe it. So, and your wild cards right now are the Rams at seven four. They're still in. They're still in play, and they're going to be in play. 49ers, six and five. And four teams with losing records fighting out for the third wild card spot. Your Washington football team, Vikings, 
Falcons and Saints. The Falcons and Saints are a bit of a surprise to me. I had them both, you know, at the bottom of their their division. The injuries to the Panthers have kind of uh, forced that hand. Uh, you know, nope, you can't predict injuries there. And the Panthers have had a bunch, especially a quarterback. And I mean, they were, you know, half, yeah, at the halfway mark, you know, just a few weeks ago, you know, they were in play as, you know, a wild card team with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was, was, was running on all cylinders. And then all of a sudden he got hurt. And since then, it's it's kind of it's kind of been a struggle. And now they got Cam Newton back, had one good game, and now he he's back to being the the bad version of Cam Newton, which nobody's really shocked at. the The guy, the guy has spent much of pretty much after the Super Bowl birth, the one Super Bowl that they went to, he's been. I would say he's been, he was overrated at that moment. And is overrated after, especially given the one play in that game, where uh, it was a fumbled snap. It was at his feet, and he didn't even die for it. You know, he 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 pulled a what I would say a Ricky Waters dinosaur arm move, and it showed his heart. At that, to me, that showed the the, the heart of a non-champion. He's there for the money, and that's it. He ain't there to win. He ain't there to to. For he ain't there for for championships. So, where I was right before the season in the NFC: Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, and Rams. I was pretty pretty much on the money with as contenders, along with the Vikings. Even though they're at five and six, they're in the hunt for the the wild card. I knew they would be, uh, being the Knew they weren't going to win the division, but I knew they would make a play for a wild card berth. Um, so where I was wrong, obviously I said it before, I did not see the Cardinals being the number one team in the NFC, nor do I believe anybody else did. So, and I mean, their, their D has been playing great, but I mean, that offense, you know, they're tough to beat. And now they got James Conner as, as, as a... A pure, you know, lead back. They were running a committee there for a while, but I mean, he is an established uh, running back with a pedigree, and you know, they're you know his emergence and him taking over the lead back role. I think has also propelled them into the uh, Super Bowl contender conversation there. Um, and the Seahawks in the opposite direction. And, uh, you know, I, we spent quite a, quite a bit of time uh, saying why in the, the, the first segment, um, no one, but nobody saw them being this bad. Uh, not me. I mean, I actually kind of saw them as a wild card contender, which, you know, I said before, you, you usually could write that in pen, you know, every season before it starts and usually be right. But I mean, they're right now. They're 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 drafting in the top five, and Russell Wilson's going to be gone. Do they go on a six game win streak and turn this around? 
No. I'm saying it now. No. It's not happening. Say, you know, if you're a Seahawk fan out there and you disagree, tell me why. What is there? What is there to tell me that they're going to go on a six-game run and and make a run, make a make a run for the playoffs here? It's just not going to happen, guys. Just don't even think about it. So, with that all being said, at week thirteen. Well, heading into week 13, that all being said with where I was right, where I was wrong and, you know, whatever, I am still sticking with my preseason pick for Super Bowl, and that's Bills Bucks. I think it's still going to happen. I, I, you know, six weeks left. Are the Patriots going to finish 14 and four? Not a chance. Or 13 and four, it would be 13 and four. Yeah, 13 and 4. Nah. Bills are going to take the division. And I still think that they got a shot at the number one seed. Just saying it now. I think they're gonna take they're gonna take the division, be the number one seed, have home field advantage. When you give them home field advantage in the playoffs in January. No, December or January, you know, no, it'll be in January. Snow, weather, advantage bills. And I think they're going to ride this wave into the Super Bowl. I am very much leaning toward picking them to win the Super Bowl. If they play other somebody other than the Bucks. <laughs> If the if it's Bills Bucks, I'm I'm probably still gonna have to pick Brady. Yeah, can't just I can't pick I can't pick against him. I can't. Just, it's not in my fiber, you know. It was well in my fiber, you know, for his first few Super Bowl runs, but I, I the the guy is just too damn good. All right, last segment. I'm going to talk about some MLB free agency here. It's been crazy. The Mets and Rangers are your top players in free agent. And the Mets getting Scherzer. And who else did they pick up? That was they picked up a bunch of uh, of, of people. I've got to look it up. So they got Scherzer and, oh yeah, Starling Marte to play center field. Um, Eduardo Escobar, who, you know, a good third baseman. Um, Mark Canna. Um, he played with the A's. That's a good, uh, a good uh, under under the radar pickup there. So I mean they did, and and they spent a lot of money on those two guys, on those three three or four guys, and then the Rangers getting Corey Seager 
and Marcus Simeon. Now, that's interesting where they both play the, the same position. Like, uh, they both play shortstop. So who's going to either roll to second base or who's going to roll to third base? And, you know, both, I mean, Marcus Simeon was a, a damn MVP uh, contender with the Blue Jays last year. Yeah, I mean, he put up 45 bombs and 45 homers and over 100, 100, uh, 105 RBIs. So, I mean, it's not like he's a guy that's, you know, you know, you know, Corey Seager is, was the uh, one of your unquestioned leaders on the field for the Dodgers the last few years during their runs and their championship run last year. So, I mean, you would think that he would then be your on-the-field leader going into Texas because who the hell does Texas have besides those two now? Just the, the two surprising signings there. That they would go to Texas, you know who's going to pitch. You know, the, you got these two guys that are going to, you know, they're going to put up numbers in that ballpark, obviously. But I mean, who are they? Who are they going to trot out there uh, every five days? You know, for what? What five pitchers are they going to trot out there that's going to be able to stop teams from scoring runs in that ballpark? So, the the, the those two deals are big, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to put them in in the discussion for you know world series contendership now on the flip side you have your defending champs the Braves which was a bit of a surprise I think to a lot of people basically not spending any money I mean they have Freddie Freeman and, and it's shocking to me that 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 they didn't try to lock up Freeman before this lockout happened. I mean, it only makes sense if if you're if if you're going to try and 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 make even a, like a mini dynasty and and a dynasty out of this uh, with the young talent that they got, you would lock up your unquestioned leader who's been there from the beginning, even when they were you know mediocre per se and yeah I, I it, it's baffling to me why that that they have not locked him i mean he deserves a big payday granted because he's been the good soldier for that organization over over these last few years you know came up with the organization was a big time prospect came up I believe at the age of 19 or 20 and just, you know, he, he's, he, the ladder for him is going up. You know I mean? He, he, he has progressed each year. So it just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled why that the, they didn't try to, uh, to lock him, lock him up before the, the, the lockout was announced. Because right now there's a freeze on moves with the lockout announcement. The Phillies, you know, you have the NL MVP on your roster. Um, and you have the, you know, a top three Cy Young candidate in Zach Wheeler. Um, 
you have glaring holes in the outfield, left field, and center. Uh, shortstop, Didi Gregorius did not pan out after he had a good shortened season, shortened COVID season last year. But he didn't pan out. And, you, you know, you could easily buy out that con- contract that he signed for. And, bring, you know, all these shortstops that are, you know, Carlos Correa is on the, available. Easily a better option than Didi Gregorius. Doesn't, I, I'm baffled. They did bring in Corey Neville from the Dodgers just before the uh, lockout was announced. Could be their closer, I guess. But, I mean, it, 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 there's, a, there's holes in the new rotation, too. I mean, after Wheeler and Nola, and Nola even is, is it might even, you could say, you don't even know what you're going to get from him now. Because, you know, he's been there a while. And then the Yankees, really, really puzzling why the Yankees, it's really puzzling why the Yankees haven't uh, made a big splash and didn't make a really a big splash before the lockout was announced. Can't even say the same thing for the Red Sox, but I think the Red Sox, I mean, they're, 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 they're looking at, I think, that, I mean, they got one of the better farm systems. They've been pr- producing some pretty good players from their farm system lately. And I, 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 it looks to me like they're going to turn to that. Even the Rays. Um, just you know, I, it, some of the teams that made splashes were kind of like, eh. I mean, you would expect the Mets to, to try and make a big splash. And, you know, big market team, you know, new GM wants to be a, you know, wants to make a name for himself and, and show that he's a, a big guy on the block. Okay. But the Rangers... Uh, I don't know. And then my last my last point really about the lockout. I think this is dumb by the owners. I mean, obviously the players didn't want to do this. The players didn't want any part of this. Um just a dumb move by the owners. Um and and the league office. It, I understand that they want to, you know, uh they they want to make the the DH universal and and there's some of the stuff that they want to implement, but I don't think they're going to be able to do it all at once. The players aren't going to allow it, and it's obvious the players are going to. Uh, the players pretty much released a statement saying, while these moves that they're propo- being proposed, these improvements, blah blah blah, could be good for the game, yes, but they need to be implemented. In a long term basis, not short term, and I think they're not gonna they're not gonna budge from that. And uh, you know the, the owners are gonna look owners and and league are, are are just gonna look dumb doing this, locking locking them out. Especially if this goes on for too long for any long period of time, you're gonna see a big ratings hit. You know, after basically the league has kind of rebuilt itself since the previous lockout. I mean, they, they took a massive hit after the previous lockout, and they needed Cal Ripken Jr. and Sammy Sosa and McGuire to, to bring them back. I don't think you got that this time. Just thinking, just saying. You don't have that. I mean, maybe you got Shohei Hotani. Okay, you got a guy, you got a, a guy that won MVP in the American League who can hit bombs and strike out guys at the same time. 
How long is he going to be able to do that for? And if you're talking about shortening a season, blah, 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 maybe this lockout going into the season, you're going to, you're, you're, you, you want to, you want to hurt the progress of, the, of, of that guy after the season he just had? Kind of, kind of a dumb move by the, by, by the league office here. Rob Manfred, dumb commissioner. He's been a dumb commissioner since the, since the jump too, by the way. Just some of, some of the stuff that he's done is just beyond belief. I mean, he replaced a dumb guy in fucking, in freaking Bud C League as well. So, and, you know, what do you, this is what you get. So, that's going to be my episode today of uh, Dean Gnome Sports. I mean, I, I did want to maybe get into some uh, football DFS because I've done some golf for you guys. I'm giving you guys some advice in that realm. Um, I do have a system that seems to be working just about every other week in football. I have done, I have won some, some decent amount of money in FanDuel and DraftKings this football season, definitely. And, uh, I've been wanting to share my system with you guys. So I, that's probably going to come on my next podcast. Hopefully I'm able to do one. Uh, maybe within the next week or two to give you that kind of, to give you guys a little bit of a DFS football because I, I, I do want to share my, my knowledge in that realm where you can, uh, you guys can definitely make a, a small profit. I, I'm not, I'm, I did have a couple big hits in the profit realm in FanDuel and uh, DraftKings this year. This season, I have gotten lucky in that room, and uh, I, I do need to share that, guys. Share that with you guys. So, uh, so stay tuned for that in the upcoming weeks, and stay you know good li- good listening to, to me today. I I wanted to get this stuff out there, especially the Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf stuff. It was I couldn't believe my eyes. So. Uh, Talk to you again soon.